Welcome to Dad Devotionals with Dave Domzowski. This is the place for Christian fathers, husbands, and those who love them to find the inspiration, grace, and guidance to help you live God's will for your life and finish your race strong. We share scripture readings, prayers, and advice to help you in your personal and professional life. Now pop in the earbuds or turn up the volume and let's get to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to Dad Devotionals. I'm Dave Domzowski. I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Stephen Scoggins. From homelessness to heartfelt industry leader, Stephen is an eight-figure, wow, serial entrepreneur of multiple businesses who has dedicated himself to serving the person he used to be. With Transform You Life Mastery Systems, he guides others towards their ultimate potential in order to elevate their possibilities. Stephen is also an author and the host of the syndicated top-rated hit podcast, Stuck to Unstoppable, where he speaks to world-class thought leaders on what it takes to break free and create unstoppable possibilities. Stephen, welcome to Dad Devotionals. It is so great to have you. Dude, I'm happy to be here, man. I've been an admirer of yours for a long time. Love your work. So I'm happy to be here. Oh, man. Thank you so much. You're too kind. You are too kind. Well, 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 I mean, a, great writer. I mean, you already are. It's just what it is. <laughs> well, look, I provided a brief intro for you there. But please, you know, for those that don't know you, uh, obviously your, your profile is increasing ever more over the last couple of years. But please give us a brief intro about who you are and how you got to where you, where, where you are now. Oh, gosh, that's such a loaded question. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because it, my, my life reads a lot like Forrest Gump or Joseph from the Bible, right? Lots, lots of lots of thrown in ditches and, and just weird stuff happening and then finding faith along the way. Sure. Um, you know, to save on time, uh, my complete bio and story of kind of how I got from homelessness to here is, is all over YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I invite folks to go check it out. Just Google search my name and you'll, you'll hopefully find it. Um, that being said, uh, the snapshot is I grew up in a very difficult environment. Um, raised by a single grandmother, passed away when I was 11 or passed away when I was, yeah, when I was 11, but I began to be one of her caretakers at age nine, which is kind of crazy. Um, went from there into my father's house or father's mobile single wide trailer up in Fuquay, North Kakalaki, um, went right beside, literally right beside the cow pasture, which is kind of funny. Um, woke up to moving cows on a regular basis, which is really interesting, but, uh, and immediately went into the construction trade. And, um, you know, I didn't really, you know, it's kind of like people who are, who are disadvantaged, they don't really know they're disadvantaged until they get a little older. And all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute. Huh? I was, huh? All right. And you start putting two and two together. Well, yeah. that was kind of my life. Like I was about the time I was realizing that, um, that there were really two processes or two ways to live life, possibly even you know, business. I, of course, I'm thinking I wasn't thinking about entrepreneurship at the time. Um, and, but I met my first mentor, Steve Murray, a guy that um, has become a linchpin. He's, he's one of probably um, 10 or 12 mentors that I've had in my life that have ultimately radically shifted me, but he was the first one. So I'll talk a lot about him. And, um, he did so with a simple question. He said, well, what's the difference between a rich man and a poor man? And I'm, you know, at the time I was like a, t- a teenager, like 16, 17 years old, well, duh, money. Of course it's money. You know, th- I thought I was, you know, I thought I was going to give him the, the witty answer, right. That he was expecting. He kind of looked at me kind of frustratedly disappointing and said, no, it's the way they think. Mm. And then he asked me a very important question after that, which uh, I've, I've, I've stopped trying to say it exactly how he said it, because I think it makes my dad a little frustrated. Um, but he said, do you want to learn to think like, do you want to learn to think like me or do you want to continue thinking like your father? Hmm. And 
a very bold statement, very bold question, very bold, like almost like a wake up call. And it was the first time that I ever had something like that happen. And I had a Rolodex in my mind, going all the things that happened with my dad, all the things that happened with Steve, all the, right. And, you know, I noticed that my dad worked really super hard. Like he was a hard worker, never had a heart, never had a problem with that, but he wasn't great with money. Mm. Like he never used money as a tool. Um, he wasn't super um, strong in relationships. Like as far as how we related to people and stuff like that, he was a friendly guy, you know, and, you know, kind of guy that would serve you and give the you know, shirt off his back kind of thing. But as, you know, a, mo- a romantic relationships would struggle, i.e. with my mom and, and later uh, an, another wife. And, you know, so I, so I looked at that and then I looked at Steve and Steve was very successful financially. Um, he meant what he said when he said it. Um, if he screwed up, he said he screwed up. He's much what I refer to as old school, shake your hand, like World War II era kind of like mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And the third thing that really stuck out to me in that moment um, was this, his extreme generosity, mm. extreme generosity. And, you know, I'm a person of faith. And one of the things that the Bible talks about is, you know, when you go to give, not let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Well, he was that guy. Like it was not uncommon for him to go and bless somebody seriously financially. Leave a, I actually watched him do this uh, on more than one occasion, but leave a thousand dollar tip under a basket of hush puppies and walk out of a barbecue restaurant and then watch a single mother come over who's you know waiting on the table come come out and get wrecked like she hadn't seen a thousand dollars all month long and here it was in, in one shot right mm. and I, those are the things that were playing in my head yeah and that's what really got my wheels turning so when people ask me all the time so you go, well you know i grew up in this environment i'm disadvantaged and i got you know whether it's the inner city or out in the country area or whatever you know they, all these various excuses about why they can't be successful or why they can't go after their dreams or why they can't find a life of significance and meaning every time i hear those stories i'm like you're wrong you're just flat out wrong right. well what 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 would my but my mom and but, 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 but my dad and but, but high school and but, 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 but this 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 trauma but, 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 I'm like, no, that's that stuff, if you use it correctly, will build you. It won't destroy you, right? And I think that was the awakening moment, ultimately, that, you know, in theory, you would think that I would get super excited and I would listen really hardcore in that moment. Um, but it took um, a serious rise after dropping out of high school, becoming pretty successful in a business venture that Steve put me in charge of, <clears throat> um, and then what happens when you don't have the character and the integrity to carry a serious level of income? You've never been trained to handle money. You have no illustration on how to do it. I squandered every penny of it. And, you know, I, my ego and my arrogance were maxed out to the, to the max along with it. You know, I went and bought the sports car and, you know, had to make sure everybody saw me pulling out my wad of cash with my rubber band around it and flipping a hundred dollar bill. Uh-huh. Now, secret guys, there was more ones in the, in the, in the center part of it. Um, you only put the top four or 500 on the top, you know, know, typical, right. And then, you know, I, I, over the the course of the next year, I basically squandered every penny of it and ended up homeless out of pride and arrogance. Um, fortunately I wasn't homeless long, um, was a few months and it was everything from couch surfing to occasional outside. Like it was, it was the whole collage, but I had this moment where I went to a public restroom, um, and I'm staring at myself in a, in a, uh, in a public restroom in a gym and, as I'm staring at myself, I'm like, how the heck did you get here? Like, what, what are you doing? And about that time, all these different, piece, different pieces of flooding advice that Steve had shared with me came out of me. 
And um, it led me through another set of divine encounters that we, if we would take the entire podcast to kind of share with you. But um, again, it's all over YouTube. Sure. Um, but essentially, I, you know, I got given a second chance I didn't deserve. I built my first company literally out of the trash piles um, of, a, of a neighboring construction site that the one I was working on. And I spent the first, gosh, several months um, doing houses by myself because one of my businesses is a construction company. And then from there, it became about doing everything without a single day off for over four years. Not a Sunday, not a Saturday, not a holiday, not a rain day, not a snow day. I was at work. Wow. Um, and I'm convinced, and I think this message is for everybody. I'm convinced if you'll put in the effort, you can outwork whatever circumstance you think you're, you're, you're facing. <clears throat> um, it's going to cause you to outlearn what you've been learning. It's going to cause you to look around for better relationships than you have today. It's going to challenge you to look at yourself and say, hey, self, how are you holding yourself like back? Yeah. How are you holding yourself? Like, and those are types of things that, you know, ultimately led me to building that first business out of, uh, out of the trash piles. No money, no loans, no nothing, just fresh off the street kind of scenario. And fortunately, thank God that that business is uh, one of seven businesses. And that particular one does, you know, in excess of eight figures every year. Well, you know, it's this mindset that, uh, you know, this, you know, this first mentor of yours, Steve, really put into you that mm-hmm. has kind of given people, it, it shocked them that those that have surrounded you, I guess, yeah. at this point in your, in your career, uh, we were just talking about it before I hit record here that, you know, you, um, people are surprised by the authenticity. They're surprised that you not only say what you mean, you mean what you say, and you actually show up and you give it to everybody. Like, like you put it, for whether there's one person or a million people, you know, Stephen shows up and, and gives it his all. Uh, you know, that is like one of the core messages of what you preach, right? So that's actually what I, what I really wanted, why I wanted to bring you on and what I want to focus on is how men can be more authentic and live out that yeah. purpose. You know, I'm, I'm a believer as well. And obviously this is dad devotionals, you know, so we're coming at it from, um, from the Christian sense. So with yeah. that in mind, in your experience, what is something men just seem to always struggle with in terms oh, that's- of out who God created them to be? Uh, that's Siri, uh, Siri, uh, easy. They, um, they get themselves confused about who God is. They, mm-hmm. they see themselves as their own God. Um, now to, to our defense as men, I think that that happens by accident because we're taught from a very early on, um, timeframe where we're supposed to be the guys that go and slay the dragons and, and, and build the houses and make the stuff and provide the stuff and, yeah. you know, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Yes. And as a result, inevitably what happens is, is when we realize that we're not going to be those things, right? Rather than admitting to ourselves that really maybe what we were chasing after was a kind of a pipe dream, um, you end up putting what I did, which is pride. And then, you know, the Bible's clear about what pride does, right? I call it pride's prison, right? A man's ego oftentimes is the number one thing that holds them back as a husband, as a father, as a business owner, as a professional I mean, as a, as a hobby based athlete playing soccer on the weekends or playing professionally, right. Yeah. In almost every circumstance, the ability to think, you know, what you think, you know, or know better than other people are trying to like, maybe coach you around um, that by definition will hold you back longer than anything else. And the reason is, is because here's the thing. If you actually knew what you thought you knew, you'd be in a different place. (laughs) So true. (laughs) You know? So I think I think it comes down to, like, I think authenticity starts with honesty. Mm-hmm. 
right? You cannot be authentic to other people until you're authentic to yourself. And you can't be authentic to yourself until you're honest with yourself. Yeah. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I get a lot of um, credibility for, for building a large company from nothing. Okay. Now you and I both know there's a greater power that made that facilitated that because I'm a dummy and like that never should have happened. Um, but at the same time, I was a dummy willing to take a chance. Right. However, when you start off like I did in business and, you know, you didn't graduate high school, you've never been to college um, and you're just building things by sheer grit and grunt. Inevitably, what happens is, is you discover, oh, crap, I got to figure out how to lead people <laughs> like and then you then you go from that to, oh, crap. Hey, how come y'all don't think like I think <laughs> like and you go through these different scenarios and then. Inevitably, what happens if <clears throat> if your pride is left unchecked and you're not being self-aware or even pursuing self-awareness, mm. right? Then ultimately what happens is you you lead out of the very iniquity or the very insecurity that you absorb. So very good point. Mine was worth, right? Even when I started speaking publicly on stages and stuff like that, it became about worth. Am I worthy of a voice? Mm-hmm. Well, who told me I wasn't worthy of a voice? Well, it all goes like all the way back to my dad. When I heard him say one time, Scoggins don't get ahead, they get by. Scoggins would be low class, not middle class, not high class, low class. Right? Scoggins are the are the ones that borrow and don't have to repay because you know the, the rich man got the money. Wow. Like this entitlement, like these are types of things that had to be broken within me just to get me to excel to a point in which I could then receive opportunities that were coming my way. In my leadership, I was very defensive. I was very aggressive. Um, I wasn't, I was downright hurtful and it was all by accident, right? I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to lead well, because I did. Mm-hmm. It was that I, I didn't know how to lead well because I thought leadership was about being seen as strong and impervious and, right? Not listening to ideas, not listening to collaboration and all kinds of stuff like that. And that was, yeah, I, I was able to build a company to that point, you know, $25 million and, you know, a handful of team members and all the, like I was, I got all the way there and, and, and had all the stuff that everybody thinks that they want to make them quote happy or somehow describe what make it means. Like nobody can actually, uh, when I make it, when you make what <laughs> donuts, I mean, but what does make it look like? Oh, when I have the house. Dude, when you have the house, you're gonna be frustrated by the lawn. Yeah. Like all you want the bigger house. <laughs> yeah, you want the bigger house, you want the bigger car. I'm like, what about your impact? Right. So yeah. inevitably, what happened was is when in order to shift, you're going to have to look at the things you try to ignore most. Hmm. Okay. I had to look at the fact that I grew up in an environment where it was okay to be dishonest. And then I had to ask myself, is being dishonest or having dishonesty, even remotely in my vocabulary, is that going to help propel me or is it going to hold me back? Um, if I lead out of insecurity, is that going to, to hold me still, hold me back or let me move forward? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you deal with the things, honesty um, leading to authenticity. It comes from the place of doing it on the very things that you think to yourself that you never share with anybody else. I'm a bad dad. Why do you think you're a bad dad? Well, because I know I'm spending 80 hours a week at work and I know I should be spending at least an hour with my kid um, going to a soccer game or, or sitting up and reading with him at night. Okay. Well, if you, if you feel guilty at work when you're not, when you're not, if you feel guilty at work when you're not at home and you feel 
guilty at home when you're not at work. Now what? <clears throat> right? Well, the only place you get there is clarity and honesty. And honesty always leads to authenticity. But in between those is this bridge. And this bridge is called humility. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, you know, and to get there, um, my wife and I always talk about this in every facet. You got to be intentional. You know, mm-hmm. that's another aspect of this is to, I mean, humility doesn't always come naturally, right? You know, even authenticity, yeah. none of this stuff comes naturally. It's something that you've got to decide that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, especially post COVID days, or I guess we're still in COVID, whatever you want to call it. There's yeah. just so many distractions out there and so many demands on our time. Even we're even working from home. I feel like there's even more demands on our time because people want more of your, are pulling in many different directions. Yeah. How can we be intentional and then, you know, bridge that gap and get over that and get and, and use the humility to, to really live that authentic life. Extreme intentionality, extreme. And I use the word extreme intentionally. Um, you know, it's, it's no secret, uh, as an entrepreneur, multiple businesses, I've got my own, you know, I have a family, I've got a wife that I love. I've got kids that I love. I want to take care of, um, it's no secret. There's every temptation under the sun to make, make me want to push this ball across the line and and then they'll wait and all this kind of stuff. Right. And I've learned the hard way that the only way to even come remotely close to balancing it is to have extreme intentionality. And I learned this from a good friend of mine, Anthony Trucks, recently. I'm actually, you text him one day. I was, I was actually going through something. And I was like, dude, how do you deal with this? Like, you're ahead of me in this personal brand space. You're like, you're killing it. You're traveling over the place. Yeah. How are you dealing with this balance piece? He goes, it's simple. When I'm at home, I'm at home. When I'm at work, I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And you can't get a hold of me when I'm at home. When I'm at work, my family knows that because I'm committed to them when I come home, that... I have their support. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, it's simple because I said, well, well, you know, if I go away for, you know, go away for a week traveling or especially I have to go to the West coast, for example, like that's an extended trip. You don't have a choice, right? He goes, well, it's first of all, he goes, first of all, I'd never go away that long. Three days is my tops three days. So all my travel plans, all of my eight, everything's built around those three days. And then I maximize the three days while I'm there. And then I come back and for the same amount of time that I gave the three days there, I give my family the three days. And he said, this interesting thing happened to him. He said that um, he discovered that his family actually didn't need a lot of his time to feel valued and appreciated and admired and secure and significant. Mm-hmm. They just needed a lot. They just needed focused time. Mm-hmm. He said it, it surprised him that he could go spend a couple hours with his kids and be completely present. No cell phones, no computers, no nothing. And they would be totally fine with him being gone for three or four days. For a few, I mean, this is, we're talking about just a few hours. Wow. Right. So I think it's going to come down to extreme intentionality. And this is something that I'm, I might be quote, quote, preaching today, but it's also something I'm quote, unquote, learning today. Mm. Yeah, sure. There's that authenticity piece. Like I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess let, let's, let's unpack that a little more. Cause that was actually going to be my next question. You know, what is something that you're working on yourself in terms of being yeah. more authentic and you know, what steps are you taking? Well, I'll give you so I'll give you a real example of um, authenticity. So I, I, you know, so that you know this, the audience doesn't necessarily know this, but I, I have a bit of an ADHD and a bit of dyslexia, right? So I write stuff, and it's very fun to read, and it's very fun to make fun of when you read it. And, I, I, mean, I promise I didn't make funny when I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but in doing so, you know, I, I especially if I move quick, you know, I, I sent an email out to a, to a fellow thought leader this morning. 
and I was in a rush. I had people pulling at me and stuff like that. And I fired it off. Um, I love my executive assistant. She uh, emails me back. She says, um, what was your intention with that email? I'm like, well, so-and-so and so-and-so. She said, um, well, you said this, this, and this. You used the wrong names and this, this, and this. Um, she goes, a humble leader would email him back and apologize and say that uh, he's got he's to address that. And I was like, you're right. And I've given my team the permission to push back. Mm, nice. Right? Yeah. And I do that because I want to be as best well-rounded leader as I possibly can, whether I'm in the home, whether I'm in the office, it doesn't matter, or in the community, right? Um, I don't want to be who, someone who says things and then doesn't do the things that I'm saying. And as a result, in order to do that, you have to have checks and balances, and the checks and balances come from the people who surround you or are closest to you. Um, as a result, I sent an email, and it's like, hey, man, dude, I was in a rush. I'm so sorry. Like this guy, I greatly respect. Spent more time actually writing the email out and stuff like that. And then, then it uh, sent it off. And then I get another email back because, you know, my assistant's copied on a lot of the emails that I send. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she says, great job, boss. That's what I was, <laughs> something like, that's, 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 that's right. Well done. I'm like, or something like that. And I think it just goes to show. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much prestige you have. There is no such thing as being more important than someone else. We are it, from a biblical perspective, we are all equally as important to God, regardless of what car we drive, what house we live in, whether or not we grace a stage, whether or not we write a book, whether or not we're out there pumping gas for somebody. It does not matter. It's completely irrelevant. And I think the key to stretching yourself is constantly reminding yourself that you're not all that in a bag of chips. I don't mean like hurting yourself, like talking bad to yourself, but just reminding, hey, look, I'm one of many. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I am a chosen one, but so are they yeah. kind of thing. Absolutely. And I think by doing that, you end up bringing balance to the force, so to speak. So you can be driven and passionate and gritty and you can seek to serve at scale and you can do all these things, but you can also do so with us, with the heart of humility, simply by being willing to admit when you're wrong and do so quickly. Another trick that I've used, um, that I used before it can became second nature was this one. Um, if I was in uh, a meeting, okay, and let's say, let's say something in business didn't go well, mm-hmm. okay, I was very quick to, and this is something I have to force myself to do because I used to do it the reverse. Um, I would stand up and I would say, guys, uh, this result happened. Um, it's unfortunate. I take full responsibility. And they're like, you had nothing to do with it. Like, what do you? I'm like, yeah, I took full responsibility. Now, conversely, if something was great, right, my previous tendency before I retrained my brain, rewired myself, was to say, hey, look at us. We did good. Look at us. It's me, man. Right? And so my, my, my principle became whenever possible, give the credit away. Whenever needed, take the responsibility today. Wow. I love that. And by doing that, you end up building authentic leadership, consistent leadership, and people know what they get. And they'll also feel safe to come tell you when you're, when you're not doing so well, right? Most leaders don't do that. Most leaders are, it's not even that they're trying to operate in pride. They just, for the life of them, it's like if they admit that they're wrong, they're somehow approving, the, approving or proving that their insecurities are real, right? Everybody already knows they're real, dude. Right. Every you're the only person who's like thinking they don't see one. They don't 
They all see it, <laughs> right? Because, because we as humans, we judge ourselves by our intentions. Mm-hmm. But everybody else around us judges by actions. Right. So the action has to meet the thought and the action has to meet the aspirational identity. Mm. Who do I want to become? Okay. So it's like you begin thinking and taking action and learning like the person you want to be rather than the person you are. As long as you're focused on the person that you are, you're never going to be the person you want to be. Beautiful. Um, let, let's, let's build off of that. Cause one of the things that I've come to learn in terms of trying to live a more authentic Christian life and, you know, take, take God's kingdom by force is with our generosity. And you mentioned that yeah. at the outset with your, with your mentor. So how do you practice your generosity? We've, we've heard a little bit about your, about your humility, but how do you practice your generosity and servant leadership, you know, in personal business and other aspects yeah. of your life? Um, you know, that's, that's actually been a very creative one. So you know, your obvious answer is you tied to your local church, right? Sure. But what I've ran into recently, though, is I haven't, and this is no reflection of the church that I'm part of now, but um, I've seen a lot of examples where the tithe is given, but the tithe is not stewarded well. Mm. Okay. So there's a stewardship, regardless if it's a church, a nonprofit, a minute, like it's regardless of what it is, you have a stewardship responsibility to steward that wealth and, or that wealth, whatever resource it is. Doesn't matter if it's a dollar or, in fact, I'm actually convinced that much of my wealth came of a test of faith with $4.86. Okay. And at the end of the day, generosity has to be something you enjoy. Mm-hmm. So if you're, re- if you're, I call it required, I, I think it's a necessity to give, um, but you do so in environments that are meaningful, right? How can you, for lack of a better word, I've always said that the greatest purpose in life you ever have is serving the person you used to be, right? So how do I help the person that I used to be? Cause you're, you're automatically going to be empathetic and compassionate and, heartfelt about that person. True. Okay. So um, not to give too much away. So we, we obviously, I obviously donate to various nonprofits. Um, I donate to uh, different Christian endeavors, but one of the most exciting ones, the one that my wife loves the most is right around this holiday season. And I actually challenge, I, I challenge people out there listening to do this. This is fun. This is actually really fun. Um, take um, a substantial amount of money out of your bank account. Um, that won't kill you, won't hurt you. Like, you know, it's not going to, you know, put you in the, put you in foreclosure or nothing like, you know, just a responsible amount. Go out to the local Walmarts, Targets, grocery stores, etc. Look for people who clearly have a need. Mm. And then with no expectation whatsoever, go up and give them a little need. Give them something they need. Um, it's something my wife and I stumbled onto a, a number of years ago, and, and we, we've done it several times, and then we didn't do it last year. We felt really bad because we're like, that was so fun. It's so fulfilling um, because you, you will see people who aren't expecting it Who because the world right now teaches you that there's always something. If I'm, a, if I'm giving you something, there's always something in return. Always okay? a catch. Always a catch. And we had a couple of those conversations, even giving money away, like – Trying to give a hundred bucks or something like that to one person. What? 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 What do you? No, it's just yours. Well, why? Because I want to be a good steward. Like I here, right? Because we are in a position to do more than we think we can do. Mm. Give more than we think we can give. 
become more than we think we are, and also glorify God's kingdom all at the same time. Okay. The five talent story is one of my favorite ones in the Bible, just as a rule of thumb. That's, a, that's, a, that's, that's my zone of living, right? So I want to be faithful whatever I've been given, right? As best of my ability. Um, and, it's, and it's been no surprise that some of the generosity aspects or beliefs that I have, I honestly feel like paved the way for the stewardship I'm able to enjoy now. Now, does it mean that, okay, I'm at this point in life. Now I got to stop giving because, you know, no, no. Now I've got to look for creative ways to continue giving. Um, and the most valuable resource that I have to give nowadays is my time, right? So how do I do that? Well, I'm, I'm writing books. I'll do podcasts. I'm on stages. I'm, I'm talking to somebody one-on-one that has a need. Like, and essentially, that's what you're trying to get to because the reality is there isn't – this, is this is a statistic that um, I heard Sean Bowles. He's an evangelist out of uh, California talk about. Um, there, he, he referenced an article, and he sent me the article once before. i got to go back and find it, but um, that stated – that there is enough wealth, enough wealth in the Christian body of church. Okay. So when I say church, these are anyone who says they're professing Christian. Okay. Regardless of Baptist or Methodist or even like whatever, right? There's enough wealth to solve pretty much every world problem that we have. Hunger, housing, abuse, trafficking. There's enough resource and wealth, but instead, rather than sowing that seed to solve that need, ooh, that rhymed. Yeah, I'll keep that one, right? <laughs> rather than doing that, what we do is we go out and buy a third, a fourth, a fifth car, uh, another vacation home, another boat. Um, we take the extra vacations because we can, because I want to. I, I just want to live in happiness. I just want to be happy. <laughs> Kumbaya. Like, meanwhile, there's people who are struggling. So. I believe a, a meaningful life is one that's in balance between loving your family, loving what you do, and then loving the community around you. I really believe that there's there's peace and prosperity and impact found in that area, right? I'm a big believer that life is about creating a legacy that outlives you. And well, how do you do that, Stephen? Well, it's it's simple. It's the same way that Steve Myrick did it. He poured himself into me, and now I talk about him all the time. Right. And now, and now hopefully I'm, I'm encouraging and talking to people that they can learn and take and, and enjoy and consume. And, you know, you know, I, I sat on stage during transform you in tears. I was, a, I was a hot mess. I might be authentic. When I start bubbling, blubbering on stage, that's, that's a new one. Um, but I have zero problem doing it because it's me, right? I'm just being me. Um, but one of the things I mentioned is that before I die, I want to be Steve Meyer to as many possible people as I possibly can. Mm. Right. It only takes one idea. It only takes one thought or one action to radically shift the, the prosperity within your life. And you have to get out of this mentality of prosperity comes to you. Prosperity is done in you. It's done in you as it's done in you. Then it comes out of you. Right. And people have to understand that. So. No, man, that that's beautiful. Look, we're, just about out of time, but I do want to ask you something before we end here. Do you have a favorite uh, quote or Bible passage that you want to share and tell us why it's important to you? So the quote would be, um, do today what others won't so you can have tomorrow what others don't. It's one of the things that uh, came back to me in that mirror moment um, that Steve told me, um, that he told me you know, years earlier, but it came out because I had to ask myself, what am I doing? Right. Right. 
I'm, I'm clearly not investing good seed, right? Um, I have got lots of Bible verses. Come to me, you're weak and weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I have used that scripture, I don't know how many times, because um, I've, you know, I've had a very tumultuous life at certain instances, um, all of which I didn't enjoy, and I thought they were going to kill me in the moment that ultimately helped me build who I am. So ultimately, I'm grateful for. Right. Right. Amen. Um, and then the, there's a mandate. Uh, Isaiah 61 1, and I'm going to, I'll paraphrase it. Um, the spirit of, of God is, is upon me. So it's talking, obviously, in Isaiah, it's talking about Christ specifically. Obviously, I'm, I know I'm not Jesus um, by a long shot. Um, but there's a, but the spirit of God is upon me, and he's called me to basically go out and serve the poor, the brokenhearted, the destitute, the people who have given up on life. Because mm-hmm. I do not believe that God's heart is to give up on the world. I actually believe God's heart is to have the world return to him. Amen. Right. And my experience has been the more I thought I had it all figured out and the more I thought I didn't need a God, um, the more I actually needed all of those things. Absolutely. And, and as we all do, man, and look, I want to thank you for this. This has been enlightening for me. And I know that so many guys listening are going to benefit from it. And I really appreciate you being authentic for us and, you know, just Ooh. laying it all out for us, telling it like it is, and uh, just outpouring yourself. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, so, hey, where can we connect with you? I know you have some, some things going on. You're, you're shuffling yeah. the deck a little bit with some of your uh, web properties. So tell us, where yeah. can we find you? Yeah, rock on. So the easiest place to get a hold of me is uh, stevenscoggins.com. Um, yes, we're moving, we're migrating today, but by the time you listen to the episode, we'll be just fine. <laughs> um, and then Instagram, um, with Steven underscore Scoggins, that's with a PH. Um, I'm pretty active there and on Facebook, you know, those two are intertwined. Um, but yeah, no, I'm happy to connect with the audience. Uh, we'll be bringing back transform you live the fall of next year. Right now it's all about getting our, uh, our free courses out and stuff like that. Uh, we're trying to make a difference before a difference needs to be made. So absolutely. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. Uh, God bless you. And I wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors, man. And we hope to have you back on the podcast at some point to tell us about all the good you're doing. Take care. Sounds good. All right, my friend. Take care. Peace. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to Dad Devotionals with me, Dave Domzowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, and also email us at daddevotionals at gmail.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash daddevotionals and also youtube.com slash daddevotionals. Make sure to subscribe, like us, do whatever you got to do to stay in touch. Thank you for listening.